0: You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing.
1: Welcome, everyone. This is Cards and Cubes, episode 54. I am Christo. I'm Trevor. And today we have an episode about board game expansions. So we're going to be talking about... Uh, kind of what we like, what we don't like so much about board game expansions. Um, I'm sure we'll mention some games played as far as last couple of weeks and uh, probably games coming up. But it sounded like Trevor has uh, trivia for me. <laughs>
0: yeah it's it's been <laughs> far too long it's been
1: long yes i've i missed the trivia i guess
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh for our regular listeners you'll know that every once in a while we check in whether uh Risto gets to stay on the podcast and that test is done exclusively by way of random trivia because that's fair and nobody based, can tell me any different <laughs> based
1: on questionable board game geek statistics as i'm sure <laughs> yes. it will be today as well
0: blasphemy these are perfect and complete statistics and there's never been any more complete numbers in the history of the universe (laughs) yeah okay so today's trivia question is well really let's see if you can pull from your mind's eye at least four games From the top ten most owned games, according to board
1: game geek so that's the weird part about board game geek is I feel like if everyone was honest and uh, we had a really good representation of the world's population. Uno. It, it should <laughs> be actually Monopoly. Like, are you kidding me? Like, Monopoly should be by far the number one most owned games. Or I a hope,
0: deck of playing cards. <laughs> I,
1: I hope, yeah, or a deck of playing cards. But I hope Monopoly at least is like in the top ten. I hope people are honest about uh, their actual habits. But I don't know. It could be screwed by board game geek being like all nerds and uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just uh, elitist.
0: Yeah, well let's see uh if you're brave enough to include that in your Yeah, guesses. sure.
1: Yeah, let's just uh let's do it. I have to do it.
0: Okay, so you're guessing Monopoly? Yeah. Blank. <laughs>
1: Well, okay, so the board game geek statistics are clearly broken. <laughs> yep, they're lies. Um, so the other lie should be like Catan, because again, also Catan. Like, are you kidding me? Everyone that has Catan. That is
0: the number two owned game according to Board Game Geek. There are the number of owned is one hundred and sixty-one thousand twenty-two, which is Dramatically underrepresented, but yeah, uh, compared to you know copies sold.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say at least people are honest about that. Even though I think people are, some people are like elitist about uh, Catan as well. Uh, Because it's seen kind of as a, oh, are you kidding me? Uh, The biggest, are you kidding me, is obviously Ticket to Ride. Like, it should be on the top 10 at least, if not number one, if people are honest with themselves. It is number eight. What? That's really surprising, actually. With
0: 101,577. But that game has sold millions of copies worldwide, so...
1: That for some reason didn't come to to mind, but uh, bits gotta be yeah on there for sure. Uh, well, you're Gosh. two for three. Yeah, I don't know. No, monopoly is BS. I'm I'm sure it's like by far the most like outside of board game geek maybe, but whatever. If we're looking at board game geek statistics, uh unfortunately because i don't like it unfortunately i might be willing to say gosh i feel like it's less less common nowadays but i was going to say like dominion uh cuz that's a very commonly owned game for some reason is it even on the top 10 probably it not it is
0: number 6
1: oh my gosh that's i yeah i'm kind of a little bit surprised that that was actually true yeah i think this gosh, one probably, probably falls into
0: the category that a lot of people have it but not a lot of people are playing it anymore
1: unless there are certain on the shelf
0: yeah there are certain circles i think that play it quite a bit still but i just i don't see it around a lot
1: yeah i don't know if i'm brave to say any games after like 2010 or something but if i were to guess something ridiculously popular maybe it wouldn't be owned maybe only because of not enough copies printed as like brass. Is that top 10? Probably not. I don't know if it's It like, is
0: not. There yeah. is one kind of larger game uh,
1: that is in the top 10 yeah when we're talking about ownership i think uh it has to be like the safer guesses are before 2010 so it's kind of like older classic games i don't know i want to say actually agricola i think agricola is old enough to be represented there is that true
0: it is not on the top 10
1: what the heck what about like stonemaier but it it is in the top 20 though viticulture for example is that printed Um, enough
0: Viticulture is not in the top 10. Scythe is in the top 20.
1: What the heck? I guess Um, Scythe is more popular than Viticulture, surprisingly enough.
0: Scythe is also more popular probably amongst the BGG crowd. So yeah,
1: Yeah, like I say, all of this is skewed by BGG. Oh, I want to say Lords of Waterdeep. I hope people bought that game enough because I think it's really good, uh, especially with expansion. Speaking of which, oh, I
0: don't see it in the top 10. Crazy.
1: Gosh. Yeah, well. It I is on the list, though. Maybe I give up. It's probably some games from, like, well, like Kuno. Like you said, it's cheap no, enough that everyone owns it. Again, if people are honest, I think it's an incredibly popular game, but probably people haven't, like, registered them. bgg to. uh put put it in the yeah, game library yeah exactly i don't know the the kind of coming people that to, own it. Yeah. <laughs> to
0: bgg to register ownership and plays of uno
1: <laughs> they might come to bgg to like delete their ownership of uno maybe yeah. again Actually, because was, of the same reason as monopoly <laughs>
0: yeah i was wondering though um, maybe not everybody does this like i do but when i do get rid of a game there's a category on bgg that is previously owned games so you can kind of like mark that you previously owned it i wonder how it this probably doesn't capture that
1: though uh speaking of ridiculous games which again i don't like so much but i think everyone has and it's even more current so hopefully it's there but wingspan Is, has there have there been enough copies of wingspan to show up on the top um. something
0: um it is not in the top 10, but it is in maybe the top 30, top 25.
1: Yeah, I feel like I know Wingspan. Has Wingspan. Is,
0: Wingspan is sold, I think, around a million copies
1: worldwide. See if they're honest about recording their statistics. I'd, <laughs> I'd be a winner. Um, yeah,
0: Wingspan uh, has 72,752 registered uh, permit-carrying owners on on BGG.
1: Gosh, I'm also thinking of like party games like Categories or something, or you know, like I don't know, just stuff like that, like Dixit. I don't think they're that massively Dixit bought though.
0: is on the list. On the top but, 10, seriously? But not the top 10. Okay. It is right behind Gloomhaven actually, which is also not in the top
1: ten. Yeah, I was gonna say always Gloomhaven, but Gloomhaven is kind of a larger game, so I don't think it like massively is bought. It's very like liked by a lot of people, but I don't know, maybe (laughs) I give up whatever. Just just tell me the uh... freaking names.
0: you've guessed it uh, yeah we've reached the part of the trivia where he still gets frustrated with the game and then, <laughs> and then we just move on uh no i think you've guessed enough of the top 10 plus the, like top 10 adjacent that will let you stay on the podcast for a little while longer <laughs> yeah it's, um, it's
1: basically all the games that i see being played everywhere that i kind of don't like so much <laughs> and want <yeah>. to ignore <laughs> but i see them everywhere uh, there's
0: a couple on here that you like actually um the first one is your favorite uh so it's number 10 on this list with 90 about ninety four thousand is terraforming
1: mars oh just kidding is race for the galaxy on there there's no way it's popular enough
0: it is not on the top 10.
1: it's cheap but i don't think that many people like it anymore yeah
0: so 10 yeah um yeah I, I i know a lot of people love love race i think it's okay it wasn't my favorite but maybe it's just not my type of game uh as much as others uh but so 10 was terraforming mars nine is a love letter actually hmm. yeah um, that's
1: like super cheap that's the reason yeah think quite so popular
0: exactly eight was ticket to ride seven is seven wonders duel
1: Huh? Not is Seven Wonders regular on there? That's one that's super popular. That I, th- didn't think about. I guess we'll just have to find out. <gasps> uh, number six is
0: Dominion. Yep. Number five is Code Names. Number four is Seven Wonders, the the yep. original. Exactly. Number three is Carcassonne.
1: Oh yeah! Gosh, I just that I try to forget that game exists sometimes. <laughs>
0: It's a decent little game. Um, number two is Catan, and number one is Pandemic.
1: Oh, yeah. People like co ops, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of Pandemic, but code names, I should have thought of that as well. That's another ridiculously, that's the party game that I was looking for. A uh, party game that a lot of people like and is kind of cheap and is good enough to be on BGG, I guess, and people are not ashamed to put it on their lists. Yeah. Uh, I think like Love Letters, other party kind of. Games. Kind yeah. of
0: a party game weight, but it's doesn't play as many people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Love Letter, I don't like. It's kind of a card game, I guess, like in my mind. Like, uh code Codenames is like the classic party game, I think. Yeah, I actually not as still low, like but, playing Love Letter. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, so there you go. That's the uh, top 10 owned games according to Board Game Geek as of August 24th, 2021. Cool. Uh, Let's go ahead and get into some, into some games played. Uh, I'll kick us off with, uh, speaking of card games, uh, we played Gear, which is Greed. This is an Alexander Fister game. And... I think it's fine if you approach it like it's a dumb party game. I've played it with a a group, you know, our group, which is a little more into the heavier gamer side. And then I played it um, actually this last weekend with my wife's family, and it was a hit with them. Um, Basically what the game is, uh, you're trying to get six of the same number on the table in front of you in what is called your collection and the main way of getting new cards in the game is stealing cards from the other players at the table so on your turn you will play one card and then you'll pick somebody at random from the table and then you'll just start stealing their cards and you just push your luck until you decide to either stop or until you draw a second card of the same number from their hand. If you decide to stop before you draw that second number, you get to keep every card you drew, but if you draw that blasted second number, then you get nothing. So there's the push your luck element. Um, There are three different special powers that kind of let you look at other people's hands and draw more cards and it's just kind of a race to see who gets to sixth first and yes you definitely can top deck a win in this game so it's all very lucky and push your luck and you know it's not it's not very heavy it's kind of a really strange game to play from alexander fister and it was a 2017 game so it, it wasn't even really that old um comparatively speaking so uh i don't know that this is going to be a game that people love if you're kind of a fister fan because you might like his heavier style euro games but i thought that this is a fun little party game to throw in here and there when you've got 10 minutes
1: what did you think of it Mm, in brandon's uh, words be careful what you have to be careful sometimes what games you teach to your like extended family because you might end up playing them a lot. <laughs> so uh, he was saying that in reference to can't stop i guess like he got kind of kind of sick of can't stop because like there's only so much can't stop that you can play you know um in one sitting or just there's tournaments over a few weeks yeah yeah sure but anyway no it's uh kind of a whatever game to me to be honest like i wouldn't in any by any stretch of my imagination imagine that it was designed by Alexander Pfister it looks like just some kind of take that card game Um, it is slightly clever I guess with like management of you want a large hand so you can have options to hopefully be able to win with the cards that you want but then people pick you because you're low risk for repeats to uh, get stolen from, but it's just like a ridiculous take that luck fest. <laughs> so yep. yeah. it was just, just kind of whatever, basically it was just yeah. like a really simple take that game um, with push your luck on top of the take that. So like my two favorite... Uh, combination of my two favorite mechanics so yeah yeah, uh it's it's fine it's just kind of whatever to be honest i wouldn't really want to play it much if at all but uh it's an interesting thing to play one time i guess but yeah i'm sure sure you'll have fun with your family forever playing this game over and over and over
0: yeah this is not a game i think that will be returning to the table with anyone in our group who has already played it um but it's fine (laughs) like it's if we're gonna sit down at a table with with my in-laws and play a card game this one's just as good as any other that we'd play
1: at least it's over quickly (laughs) (laughs) yes
0: exactly it does only last about five to ten minutes so you know it's it's quick and it's over and i think that's actually
1: very appropriate for it so that's good
0: yep. yep and that's gear or Greed in English.
1: Cool. Uh so anyway, over the last couple of weeks, um I was a little bit late to the party because I finally played Agricola for the first time. Uh which is kind Did of embarrassing. Uh I didn't really love it but it was fine uh it's kind of amazing that uh it's a game that i just kind of avoided ever since i started playing board games Uh, even though it's like 2007 kind of uh, i guess very classic game almost um i was surprised that it's not actually on the top 10 list because it's also pretty popular i think with like families and stuff uh it's a new rosenberg game about like the super farming theme and obviously from the name it's like uh, Latin for farmer 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 Farming, farmer, I think farmer. Um, but anyway, yeah, for some reason, like I just, uh, some, there's some movie Rosenberg games that I, when I look at them, I just can't get excited about them. And unfortunately, that's one of them. But I guess I've been getting into uh, sneakily into a lot of those kind of games. I recently kind of also, Hallertau, I played. Um, also, obviously, uh, La-hab. Agri- Agricola. Uh, actually will have spoilers because that's what I also played last week. Uh, I haven't played Caverna yet, but gosh, there's something else. We played Raycult, actually. Uh, That's not exactly the super classic farming thing. Oh, Fields of Arl. That's what I was... Oh, yeah, we played that a while ago yeah that's another one that's like the classic farming uh theme i don't know i think some the the stuff that doesn't excite me about his games is like it's really hard to actually come up with a strategy once you start playing the game i feel like it's very kind of opportunistic and just kind of like a lot of um, i'm kind of catching it trend that a lot of his games are include cards. And even though there's a lot of worker placement actions, I think really the game is about cards usually because the cards kind of let you do combo stuff and run like basically get let you get benefits out of actions or run some kind of engine. And yeah, in Agricola there's cards as well. There's like professions or whatever they're called. So they let you do more powerful actions or just get benefits when certain things happen or whatever. So it's, I think it's like all about the cards. So uh, just kind of play your cards and use them as much as possible. I feel like that's like the strategy and made the best like weird combination that someone came up with when uh but yeah it it feels like there's so many things to do and usually his games have like 5000 actions and usually they accumulate as well so if someone doesn't take the action it gets like better and better over time uh that's kind of a trend with his games and they work they're just they're fine um but yeah like i say it's not like for some reason i think i like tighter designs in some way where there's just slightly more focus maybe even though it's it's almost like a sandbox euro game actually that's kind of what his games remind me of um it's like very conversions and worker placement and like resource management um and also cards and engines and stuff but it's very sort of open you should do i mean there, there isn't something that you have to do it's just kind of uh, I don't know how to describe it. Just very, like, open feeling. Um, just <laughs> well, kind of make up your game, kind of game.
0: The answer in Agricola is you have to do everything or you get minus points. <laughs>
1: um, oh, yeah, uh, that is actually true. Yeah, you kind of ha- have to actually do everything in the end. So, yeah, that, yeah, that it's, is actually kind of funny. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that um, Agricola is kind of open and sandboxy. I guess it's sandboxy in the sense that you're not really, other than the fact that by the end of the game, you have to have at least a little bit of everything. You're not really forced into any one way. Although, in my opinion, there are clearly better options for what you should do. And that's largely driven by what cards you get at the start of the game. Um, but Yeah, yeah.
1: No, that's for sure. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh yeah, no, I was uh I was just gonna say that um, I'm actually I have a copy of Caverna and we should play it sometime because there's a divide in the gaming community of Agricola versus Caverna. Um, and Agricola, you're right, is really centered around the card play, because that kind of forms your game and informs what you're going to do. Um, whereas Caverna has to my recollection, no cards. And it's kind of more, uh, it's even more sandboxy because even the worker placement spots, if I remember correctly, are not quite as tight because Agricola is really tight in terms of the available spots. Um, I think Caverna is a little bit more open. It's also less punishing with the feeding mechanism because there are more ways to feed in Caverna. But um, in, in Caverna, from the very outset, every single building that's available in the game is laid out on... a a table in front of you so you can kind of see which things you want to pursue and there's a lot of different things you can do in the game so there's kind of more even more of a sandbox element to it and i don't think there are any cards so yeah it i prefer caverna personally um but you know there's i just i'm curious where you'll fall on that divide
1: yeah, our game didn't actually feel that tight as far as worker placement spaces go. Maybe because of choices of other people around the table, and also maybe because I got a card where it basically rewarded me to not get any workers uh, other than my beginning two. It's basically like uh, extra food and something. If you, did, the theme was actually childless, very funny. Huh. Uh,
0: How did you end up doing?
1: uh i did really well uh with just two workers for the most of the game My only in the last two or th- three rounds i started building up workers but i had a lot of cards with like really cheesy stuff but yeah very low worker kind of uh strategy interesting i don't know yeah weirds. but anyway um yeah, we, I don't know if it was just the game we played or something, but, yeah, at some point, I don't know if the people are not taking, like, really efficient actions, but it kind of gets to the point where it's like, do I want, like, five wood and to do all this stuff, or do I want, like, five sheep? And sometimes it's not obvious, and that's where I was saying is it's kind of, like, sandboxy, because you can just do whatever you feel like, I guess. I mean, your cars, How many to people some are extent, you playing with? Four. Four. Um, first uh, i don't know maybe it's just the people that i played with choices and they didn't get enough workers or something maybe it's a meta and with the games you play that like everyone gets the workers and gets really crowded. Yeah, um, that's also, usually what
0: happens. <laughs> yeah,
1: also the feeding wasn't that terrible because again, I got some cheese where I loaded like one food on every card and because I had low workers it was actually really easy. Anyway, I don't know, kind of, kind of a weird game. Maybe we just had like yeah. a really weird game.
0: But was anyway, this with uh, people that, that kind of knew the game or yeah, was it? Yeah,
1: no, not really. One, uh, the people the people who owned the game actually played but they kind of like didn't do very well it's kind of weird Uh, and there were actually a couple of new people maybe because yeah people just didn't know uh, the game that well Um,
0: it's possible or maybe they just played differently than i've seen played in (laughs) in all the
1: games i've played of agricola yeah it's weird but anyway but yeah, actually, speaking of like have that's another game I played last week. I'm not really gonna talk about it. It's actually very similar to Agricola because again, it's all about cards, but it's kind of in between Agricola and Caverna where you can see the cards, but the order in which they come out is kind of preset. So again, very sandboxy feel. I feel like all of his games, someone was saying they play kind of exactly the same way and i can kind of see that comment because It's all about, again, like resources are accumulating by these boats going around over and over, and eventually the spaces get large enough that someone grabs them. (laughs) That's like kind of a recurring theme in his games. Uh, But in Le Havre, I guess the cards are coming out in order. So if you're super like professional, you can kind of build a strategy around what cards are coming up. But again, in our game was kind of very opportunistic, just kind of like, just buy whatever looks good right now and i don't know we we did okay i'm not super good at that game maybe if you're like really good you can really plan uh that game goes on for a while though uh, it's like 16 rounds i think is what we played of it and uh We chose to play the long game. There's a short game version and a long game version. I kind of like the long game, actually, and I was happy that people were up for it. With three players, I think we did it in like two and a half hours, but we're actually keeping pretty good pace, so it can really go on for a while. Um, But anyway, uh, both of those games are very similar. You can kind of tell that maybe he designed them in the same kind of time periods, and maybe later he got some other ideas. But yeah... Um, I got my fill of Uve games over the last couple of weeks, I guess. And actually, someone else played Hallertau. I played Hallertau a couple of months ago, one month ago now. But uh, just kind of Uve games are out there, man.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, I actually liked Hallertau a lot. um yeah. I was just looking at his timeline uh, for the publishing. Agricola was originally tw- two thousand seven lahav was 2008 and then uh caverna didn't come out till 2013 fields of arl was 14.
1: yeah Um, so yeah i actually now i think i've worked up some enthusiasm for a feast for odin previously i kind of wasn't really interested at all because it's like I feel like it's the ultimate. Uh, yes, <laughs> it's the pinnacle of that design of like thousands of worker placement actions, complete sandbox stuff, and I don't know if it yeah. has cards or not. Do, but do it's your like stuff and never
0: see any of the players at the table for the whole game.
1: <laughs> yeah, or just kind of yeah. Very. It looks like the ultimate like sandbox experience of Vuvé Rosenberg. Uh, I'm kind of curious now i guess i'll maybe get to play it that i have some enthusiasm for it now a lot of people like really like it so i guess hopefully it's good actually
0: yeah that's actually the number one uve game that i want to play but haven't
1: yet yeah so maybe we think try it out soon Especially considering you're more of a Uwe fan than me. Uh, you actually have games of his. I think the only one which <laughs> yeah. I have is... Uh, other than his like, tile-laying stuff, which I like more. Like that trend of games that he started doing. I feel like he kind of like gets into a groove and just kind of makes the same type of game over and over with small variations. So anyway, I like the patchwork kind of games that he got into, Uh, but you actually like the farming games more or just as much, I guess. Yeah, The only one I have is Field of Arl.
0: There's there's something comforting (laughs) about a crusty Uwe game and little animal wooden pieces.
1: yeah if he had done uh what is that one news fjord with bankers like it was originally supposed to be bankers or something and like funds and whatever instead of fishermen and fish that would have been much cooler and i think i would have been more interested it's still kind of a decent (laughs) game but yeah the theme is just kind of yeah we can
0: just pretend it's a fish bank yeah uh, well, the other game, the next game I wanted to bring up really quickly that we played for the first time, at least it's my first time uh, this last weekend, is called Smartphone Inc. Um, this is designed by Ivan Lashin, I think, and uh, published by Cosmodrome Games. Uh, this is uh, basically. A a more simple economic simulation than I anticipated it being, Uh, basically, uh, you play the game over a series of five rounds and each round has like, I don't know, something like eight steps where you, the first thing you do is you have these tiles with action cells on them and you take your tiles and you overlap them over each other. You have to, I think, overlap at least one, but no more than four squares on each of the tiles. I think they call them cells. And then the visible cells, after everybody has secretly allocated and overlapped their tiles, those are the action points or whatever that you'll be able to do during that round. And then you kind of set the price for your... Uh, crates of cell phones that you're going to be trying to sell around the world and then you produce those cell phones maybe by some sort of technology which is an engine building aspect or maybe a single bone, ben- single bonus one time um, so you're kind of researching Wi-Fi or GPS or 4G or, or I guess they should update that to be 5G <laughs> the, uh, on the board so you're researching these technologies and then you come to the main phase of the game or one of the main phases i guess where you um in turn order sell your crates of cell phones around the world and each cell phone type uh i guess that's not the right way to say it basically each region um, of the world is interested in buying different types of phones some are based on price and some are based on features so like some buyers only want to pay up to three whatever's for their phones and some people only want to buy phones that have NFC technology or 4G technology and you go in turn order and each of those buyer types only has one spot and so basically the earlier in the round you go the more likely you are to be able to sell all of the phones where you want, unless you've researched enough technologies that you can basically sell your phones anywhere. Um, and then you just do that six times, or five times, five rounds, and sell all your phones, and then whoever's made the most money wins. Um, I I thought the game was fun to play. It was a little more simple than I had anticipated. Um, and you do have the kind of the feeling the whole game of, people are kind of doing what you want before you do it. And so you're kind of getting edged out. But I think the way around that is to just become the most, um, the largest company in the world and be able to sell your phones anywhere so that you can kind of work your way around that. But some players can't do that. And so um, we had some rounds where, not everybody at the table was able to sell all of their phones, but in generally it, it kind of seemed like it worked out. It just ends up working out more for some players um, over others. So I thought it was fun. I hear the there's an expansion for it that kind of is a must have. So I'll probably take a look at that and see what it is. But um, fun to play, but I I don't know that it super stands out in comparison to other economic games. What did, what did you think of it, Aristo?
1: Uh, I actually kind of expected not to like it because it looked kind of uh, like a trolley game, meaning a lot of just... Uh, basically, you plan a lot of actions and they happen in a certain order and the order is determined actually by lower price, I think, most of all. So yeah. I was expecting a lot more actually failed failed stuff to happen and there was some failed stuff to happen but i just kind of expected way more failed stuff to happen like massive people not selling their cell phones or something or you know i don't know just stuff like that mostly that actually because i think that's the biggest disaster is you produced a lot and you're hoping to sell stuff but someone sells before you because that's basically like the victory point engine uh but it kind of wasn't that bad i guess because people are kind of in different locations and people kind of focus on different technologies so they can sell to different people so it mostly works out there were some situations like that but just not as many as i expected um i don't know the action selection of selecting the tiles, which is basically like play with your tiles, like flip them around, and uh, it's basically a series of trade-offs. And I'm just not not super excited for that as like a game mechanic. I think the game kind of hinges on that. It kind of reminds me actually of that uh, Keeper game, I think it was, uh, K-E-Y, P-E-R, um, uh, from the same guys, key flower and all those games, where you play with like, a, the driving mechanic of the game is uh, folding paper. Um, I don't know what it's called. Basically, kind of like uh, which icons are showing, and you just fold paper <laughs> for, yeah. for two, two <laughs> minutes, trying to look for the icons that you want, uh, because it's a series of trade-offs, and like, if you want a lot of something, something else can't be done. Um, I feel like it's kind of the same as maybe giving you like five action points and like three tracks, Maybe like research production and whatever i guess it is kind of interesting because there's a lot of tied stuff to each other and the spatial places of where things are is i guess interesting if you like that kind of stuff but i don't know for some reason that just wasn't like super exciting to me and the rest of the game is just kind of reveal and see what happens really
0: yeah i i did like the action selection part of the game and and you can get more tiles in this in this uh, tile market, but I mean, if, if your phone is priced high, then you're going to be last to select there. And so you may not get what you want. Um, and so I, I think the game has an arc of price low early so that you can try to go first and get all the stuff you want and then price higher towards the end so that you can just make a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I, I think I just left the game feeling like it was, there wasn't as much to it as I thought there was going to be. And so, although I thought that the design was fine and and I have fun playing it, would definitely play it again. I just thought, I thought there would be more to it
1: yeah basically i think i'd sum up the game as like i don't know if like uh, selling low early is super exciting because the game starts you in different locations so it's all about kind of separating yourself from other people and the two ways you can do it is like physically by location so you're selling to different markets or by technology which is also very thematic i guess Uh, so like having a technology that no one else has and i think if you have a different market or a different technology you can sell for higher price which is basically the game Um, So I think if you're getting blocked a lot, you can just like sell, try to sell a lot at lower prices. And if you can differentiate yourself by being in a different place or have an exclusive technology or something, you can uh, sell at a higher price. And that's basically the game and it kind of works out. I feel like if it gets really competitive, it's going to come down to kind of just timing reveals of, um, you know, like you get edged out because someone sold like $1 lower and that's a huge difference. between you two and that's just kind of unfortunate (laughs) that's kind of what that actually happened
0: in our last round yeah Uh, well between me and another player (laughs) yeah i was gonna say
1: mistakes happened as well because i feel like he didn't like expand or something like he was planning on expanding and that cost points but anyway yeah um but i feel like there's like a flip-flop of like are you is there's two people competing for the same thing and is one of them going to go the technology way or the market way and if you both go the same way you kind of both get hurt or whoever has the higher price gets hurt and it feels like i don't know that's why i'm not super huge fan of like basically what you're doing is you're like selecting everything that's going to happen in the round before the round happens and then you just like watch a watch uh watch the movie play out kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then that's yeah. basically that's that's the game five rounds five, five rounds of that and i guess yeah. it's interesting but yeah well, At as least wasn't as, it wasn't oh, it i was go gonna ahead. say at least it's not as heavy as i thought because if it's any heavier than that i probably would like it less even than what i did i thought it was just just okay like i'm not super impressive but i guess i'd maybe play it again someday i don't know
0: yeah yeah and i i think that um As the game progresses, kind of everybody starts having mostly all the same stuff anyway. Um, Except that there's not enough spots to like have one of those offices that allows you to sell phones in a region. There's not enough spots for everybody to have a region in every portion of the board. So you do kind of know your competition, but the ability to get into every region of the board kind of happens quickly um i mean it's only 5 rounds but by round 2 or 3 you're you're going to be you're going to have an idea of who your competitors are in the regions i think
1: Actually, speaking of which, I was going to say, for me, that wasn't as relevant because we had a ridiculous technology we oh, you can yeah. sell one anywhere. <laughs> but uh, actually, that situation of someone getting blocked out did happen between me and another player as well. So basically, it was you versus someone else and me versus someone else. And I sold first because my phones were like $1 cheaper, which was significantly better. So there's a lot of kind of like... Are you gonna get the price like just one dollar below someone else kinda randomly? I don't know. It's it's fine. I'm kinda curious what an expansion could do to the game. I'm not sure if I can see opportunities for like that's something that comes to mind. I don't know what it does or like if it fundamentally uh, um, changes anything.
0: So there's the it's the 1.1 expansion is what they call it, like a software update. And I think it's modular um I don't know exactly what all the modules do except that I think one of the things is a new board. Huh, um, interesting. So, or there, there's something with a new board. Uh, but I haven't I haven't looked up looked into all what it is uh yet, but I think that has potential,
1: a new board. Yeah, like I say it's it's just fine, I don't know.
0: Yep. Anyway, that's a smartphone. I think we kind of ended at the same spot where it's fine and I I had fun playing it. I definitely played again, but it it wasn't like amazing, I think.
1: So I guess we also played another game, which is Trevor's by far favorite game, uh, which is Electropolis. Uh, This is just a random game that I picked up from... uh, certain retailer because i thought it was kind of unique and just looked very interesting uh very simple drafting game have the city building vein something like suburbia or whatever but way lighter very very simple game and the whole game actually hinges on drafting of uh back and forth kind of like so we uh there's two phases in the round the first one is you select how many tiles you want out of a circular arrangement of tiles and you're trying to build a city which is the, the the electropolis i don't know it's uh it's all about producing power for some reason i don't know the theme is like super thin i'm not sure if the theme even makes any sense because you're basically your entire city is full of power plants so i guess like the uh There's some hyper industrial city, maybe uh, hypothetically, that you're building that's full of power plants and public buildings. Um, I guess like the people live somewhere else or something, or in the power plants, or they sleep in the public buildings. I don't know. But anyway, it (laughs) just feels like uh, some kind of weird, like almost prototype like exercise. Uh, But the game actually works pretty well, I think. Um, Trevor doesn't think so. But (laughs) anyway, Uh, but what you're doing is (laughs) like a Say, <laughs> uh you're drafting tiles in an order from a circular arrangement, very reminiscent of kind of like Patrick, but then like Patrick, you're not circling around, you're picking a spot and you're basically taking like an arc of tiles of the circle. Uh one, two, three, four, or five. Actually, no one <laughs> tile. Two, three, four, or five. And actually the round begins by you selecting how many tiles you want, but the catch is if you go lower tiles you go earlier in the round but you actually go last to select how many tiles you want the next round so basically there's kind of a teeter-totter of like if you select a lot of tiles you go last you might get really bad tiles but you get first pick of tiles next round and maybe next round you actually select uh fewer tiles but you go later select tiles. Anyway, there's like a back and forth basically in theory. I mean, you could keep selecting more and more and more tiles because if you select a lot of tiles, you go first. And if you go a lot of tiles again, you go first. And if you go a lot of tiles again, go first. Uh, The catch is not all tiles are good. Um, You create pollution by creating electricity. So if you fill up your board, it's generally a good idea, but it also has to be filled up with the right tiles because if you don't pick, pick up the right tiles, you might get either tiles that don't work for you or just like overproduction of uh, electricity which does give you points but it also gives you pollution and uh, as Trevor found out <laughs> well I don't know if it was like entirely his fault apparently I don't know I didn't watch how the game played out from his perspective but uh, you get massive penalties for polluting a lot uh, so you need to kind of balance like public support and production of victory points and pollution so it's kind of like uh, balance there is some luck in the game with the taos coming out but i think like i say the game generally works pretty decently there's also some goals that are rotating throughout the game and ultimate goals for the end of the game so like they generally kind of reward you for focusing on certain types of plants or building a certain quadrant of your city or whatever but i think uh it's this weird chinese game um chinese designers it's got published i think like dual language you actually see uh, Chinese characters on the cards and there's a rule book in Chinese and Japanese actually so it got imported and uh, I think it's kind of cool it's not super earth shattering but I think it's a very like kind of interesting drafting game I don't think you would be able to play it over and over again or more uh than once more than <laughs> not once but like I don't know it's not like a everyday kind of game there's not enough variability I think for it to be that interesting but I would play it like every once a month or something um, or whatever probably not even that <laughs> with the way we play games but um yeah not uh there is some variability with like uh how it replays but the the variability is only with the end game goals and there's only six of them so basically the game i think is gonna get very kind of samey over time but it is an interesting game um so yeah how much did you hate it trevor <laughs> it, Quite that's a the, lot, actually. <laughs> maybe that's the way I should phrase my uh yeah. intro to your section. No, here.
0: I I acknowledge that um the way the game happened to me might not happen every time. But basically, uh since you didn't see how the game went for me, I'll I'll tell you. Because I remember <laughs> it. <laughs> so um you told us at the start of the game that there's that multiplication Uh, scoring at the end of the game that subtracts from your score. So I was like, okay, I just need to make sure that by the end of the game, my pollution is probably going to be high because that's how the game scores. So I just need to make sure that my popularity rank or whatever is high enough. Cool. That's fine. Let's just make it happen. Uh, Round after round, my first issue with the game was I felt like the way the turn order happens is kind of scripted because it kind of flips every time. Somebody picks the three spot with the thumbs up and then everybody else just kind of picks around that unless the tiles are such that somebody just doesn't care what turn order they're in. And they either want to take a lot or they just really care what turn order they're in, but that didn't happen a whole lot in the game. Maybe, maybe once or twice in the whole thing, did somebody go ahead of the three because they just wanted to go first? Um, so basically the round always seemed to go somebody picks the three spot with the thumb and then the other two pick the five or six tile spot, depending on which turn order you're picking in. And then it would flip the other, the next round. So the, the turn order felt kind of scripted, but you know, granted, I've only played it once. So maybe it's not, uh, the next issue was the way the tiles came out. I got only two thumbs up things the whole game. And some of the cards had thumbs up bonuses, But of course the way they came out out during the game, I did not get to draft any of those. And so what ended up happening was I ended the game having had to have taken a lot of pollution and no thumbs. And so I had 100 points subtracted from my score, which was just lovely. It's kind of Um,
1: impressive, I would say, but anyway. (laughs)
0: It's not like I tried, so I can't even take credit for it um so yeah, I mean that just left a really, really bad taste, and i just I did not care for the experience, but I can acknowledge that that's not how it plays out every time, and maybe I play it again and it happens to someone else, and then it's funny <laughs> but uh <laughs> but no i just i didn't I didn't like it, but I can appreciate huh. why you like it,
1: yeah i don't know uh if that was just an issue of like me having played the game and kind of knowing how it goes or something that might be a component of it or me and the other player like conspiring against you every time or something i don't know that's just kind of weird but i think like if you're really desperate for tiles you do have the opportunity to go first and maybe it's painful because you only get like three tiles or something if you're ahead of that guy or two tiles even if you really want to go first but uh for me like it kind of just kind of works out and i think there was definitely an our game uh, the issue of uh, me having played the game and kind of knowing how it goes and what's kind of good. Uh, so maybe I think if you like were to play it again, it'd be more kind of evenly competitive uh, but I think ultimately it might come down to you got the lucky tiles in the right round that it, you needed them to be in the quadrant that you needed them to be so it's not like a super strategic games by any means but I think like knowing kind of how the game goes goes some way of I guess playing well but anyway <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, it's fine
0: that's probably true but I mean the the one calculus that kind of plays against the oh well you should have just gone earlier And just taking fewer tiles or just taking the ones that you wanted um, is that in this game, empty spaces were minus three points and not minus one point. So taking two tiles several times in a row basically means you're accepting... I don't know, probably negative 20
1: points. Yeah, yeah. No, the other component that uh, I don't know if you guys really thought about is like you can fill up your tiles but not power them and that doesn't create pollution. So, uh, I mean, you're not getting points, but like you're not getting minus points either. So, like, that's kind of a weird trade-off that... you can think about if you're really getting you know, screwed on tiles like maybe the way to do it is like, uh, get a lot of power plants to cover the negative points but don't power them if the pollution is excessive, but anyway, yeah that's, uh, I feel uh, th- like
0: that's just kind of accepting defeat though, if you're playing yeah, with someone no, who it, knows how to play the game <laughs> it,
1: it, it is true, yeah, it's not a great option, but it's like a better option than like flat out negative points but yeah, it's it's kind of weird but like I say, not super. Strategic strategic game but I think it's uh, interesting enough and it works with uh, a drafting mechanic which I haven't seen too much Uh, there are some games that are kind of um, I can't remember but I I feel like it's not super frequently done. I there's another game on Kickstarter that I'm thinking of like Envira, which did the same thing, kinda like back and forth drafting with like whoever goes first in the previous round goes last in the next round or something. So like basically flipping around people. Uh not too many games have explored that though I feel, and that's one of them. The rest of the game's kind of whatever, but I think the drafting is interesting enough. Or maybe bad, I don't know according to trevor (laughs) tbd we'll see i
0: mean the game doesn't not work i think it does what it sets out to do i just don't know if i like what it wants to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: yeah fair enough anyway sure
0: um yeah so the last game i wanted to mention today uh don't have to talk about too much because we've talked about its younger brother on the show before is gaia project um, finally got around to playing this a couple of times in the past couple of weeks and I love this game. It is so cool. Uh, really like Terra Mystica and I don't know if I like Gaia Project better because I still need to go back and try Terra Mystica with expansions but I think... In my opinion, Gaia Project base game is superior to Terra Mystica base game, but I think Terra Mystica expansions equals Gaia Project base game, So, uh, from what I hear. So I just kind of need to try that out. But basically, the game is just build out your empire in space, terraform on projects. the game's played over, I think, six rounds. So you just kind of try to satisfy round goals and then make federations, which are the equivalent of cities from Terra Mystica, so that you can use those federations to uh, do cool things on the technology tracks. Um, and then, actually, we I think we found out that we'd been playing something wrong with the technology tracks, right?
1: Yeah. Actually it is pretty significant to the game, basically it's kind of a really technical thing so if you don't know anything about the game good luck but there's (laughs) these advanced technologies that you put on your basic technologies and FYI if you get one of those you should go up on a track, we weren't doing that, we were just getting advanced technologies uh, which changes the game a little bit I guess but not like super fundamentally but I think actually it would make it more fun because uh, previously we were basically killing like an engine part of the game that we should have been doing so actually yeah it, it should does. be even more fun to play in the future because i do enjoy the like more kind of combo stuff that goes around in games as opposed to just really tight like everything matters and you have nothing all the time and loans and stuff even though some of those games are okay but anyway yeah yeah, it should be more fun to have more stuff to do in guy project
0: yeah and some movement on those tracks at the end game or or whenever you're i guess using your federation token to get into the last step or whatever that could that could be pretty important i know at the end of our last game i was trying to figure out a way to move one more time on a on a track and so maybe i would have had an extra movement um had we figured that out before i'd finished my game um but anyway the general flow of the game is just kind of play towards the round goals uh the all of the factions have different abilities which i think is just really really cool um as we discovered some factions may not be created equally to other factions (laughs) um or you know maybe some factions are just better suited to how certain you know the order of round goals how they come out or whatever but i think there's like 14 different factions right
1: yeah um i had a really bad game for some reason but actually i don't know if i'm super convinced like i uh can't really base the opinions on like one game of having played that faction or whatever uh also other people are saying online that it might not be the best and like it's very dependent on things lining up actually right. oddly enough i think things were actually lining up in our game they just kind of didn't work because of other people's <laughs> actions and stuff yeah uh but anyway no i actually also another thing with uh Terra Mystica and Guy Project is I like playing the bad factions and trying to make that work. That's basically, I don't know, just kind of a weird thing because I feel like, I don't know, I don't want to believe that the designers of the game just kind of screwed up and just the faction is kind of bad. Well, especially uh,
0: on their second time round, right?
1: Second time around. Like having, oh yeah, having like having gone, gone through having Tera Tera <Sistica>. Tera Mystica, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, there I they can see how some factions might be like better suited to two players, and some factions are better suited to like four player because they are kind of different games. So whatever. But yeah, I uh, haven't played even all the factions yet. I've played quite a few of them uh but i always kind of enjoy there's another one which is supposed to be really bad i'm kind of curious uh what it's going to be like next time (laughs) and i'm yeah if i have the opportunity i guess i generally kind of pick based on terrain type because if you know anything about terra mystica or guy project uh i think it's better to be away from people uh as far as terrain goes because if you get blocked it's a bad time it's a worse time in terra mystica but in guy project it still kind of slows down your game so it's not great but uh yeah if i the opportunity i would pick the so-called bad factions and try to make them work because i think that's kind of interesting and just i think i fundamentally did something wrong with my faction which i hope actually makes them work if you do it right so anyway uh something to try for next time i guess
0: yeah i I, we didn't get too much into the nitgrid of how the game all works but i think we've talked about terra mystica before and probably actually guy project before and it's i just had so much fun playing this game, and I'm looking forward to playing the other factions so two thumbs up for me on on Gaia project
1: yep uh, it's even better if you start after twelve a m yes. so like' you're the really, only time to start you're really tired for like a really heavy game of like basically board game chess kind of. Uh, that does feel kind of like a euro game mixed with like chess elements or something because everything's visible on the board everyone uh, can see what everyone can do you can kind of tell what people are gearing up to do maybe and sometimes you're kind of hoping that they don't take an action that you specifically want but you have to take another action that you need more so anyway there's all kinds of these like situations but there's actually nothing hidden in the game which is one of the interesting things and usually those games get kind of stale and just kind of samey but I think because there's so many factions the interaction between them every time is very unique and the way the technologies are arranged is very unique every time and the different combos you can kind of pull are unique so that makes the game really feel fresh every time unlike some other games which are all kind of revealed because usually if games are all revealed and you can see everything uh, that's kind of a red flag for me but not in this case actually in this case it's just kind of fun
0: yeah, I agree. The process of playing it is fun. And I I'm actually looking at the rule book. First step of setup is put the board in the middle of the table. Nice. Second step is make sure it's after midnight.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyway, yeah, I think uh this game, like Terra Mystica and Guy Project, both of them i don't know i feel like this should really be the katana of board gaming like i don't know why it isn't maybe because there's kind of a lot of stuff to explain but but yeah i, f- I really feel like anyone who plays board games should play like Terra Mystica guy project that's like like the the maybe the quintessential like euro game experience for me uh I can't think of like a more representative Euro game than Terra Mystica guy project. And maybe Hansa Teutonic actually uh, in the same kind of vibe. I've actually
0: seen Terra Mystica in Barnes and Noble before. So I think it's like pseudo Catan status, but, but not becoming Catan
1: in 20 years when like all (laughs) the people who played it, are going to be old and they're going to like buy it for the kids and stuff. And yeah, anyway,
0: it has, it has hexes. So it's almost there.
1: Yeah. And you place two buildings to start with, so it's it's like a right? <laughs> it's just right? like it,
0: yep, it's just like it. <laughs> actually,
1: have, that was kind of a running joke, is someone actually did say that at a meet-up. They walked by, and they're like, oh, so it's like Catan, right? Because it actually has the exact same pieces as Catan if you play Terra Mystica, and it has hexes, so it looks very similar to Catan. So they're like, oh, this looks like Catan or something. <laughs> like, yeah, yep. it's, just, it's Catan <laughs> just, without just the robber. Just like it, yeah, without the rubber, <laughs> without the dice, without the cards, with like all kinds of... A a lot, A lot fewer things. sheep <laughs> yeah anyway yeah it's kind of kind of kind of funny though
0: yeah so that, that's uh that's Gaia project did you have anything else you wanted to cover no
1: not really no
0: all right so let's head into our topic for today um, so the the topic for today, we're going to go through kind of thoughts on expansions in general and and maybe talk a little bit about uh, deluxe copies of games. Uh, sort of what prompted this in my mind um, was we recently had the opportunity to play um, the deluxe version or expansion of, of the Grand Austria Hotel, Let's Waltz, that just recently kind of, I think, started delivering to... Kickstarter backers and actually I'm just remembering now that I don't think that this expansion is going to be in retail so that's the only way it would have been making its way to someone's table um, and and they uh, Lookout Games had just done a reprint of Grand T- Hotel and had done given it the deluxe treatment and um, the expansion as well and so Christo what do you think about board game expansions?
1: Mm uh very kind of divided on them some expansions i think really add to the game and make the game kind of take it to the next level which i like and some expansions don't take it to the next level <laughs> Well, uh,
0: define uh what's What's next level for you?
1: Yeah, so actually we're not gonna do a top three, but for me, kind of the quintessential expansions that are like the good stuff are actually Lords of Waterdeep. That's like basically the prime example of a, the an expansion that takes the game to the next level. Uh, Scoundrels of Scoundrels of Skullport, in particular. The other expansion is kind of more of the same, which I don't think is that amazing. I mean, it's fine, but whatever. But Scoundrels of sc- Scound Rules of Skullport actually introduces kind of like, uh, well, this corruption track, which uh, it's kind of like a corruption track, but really it's kind of a lone mechanic if you think about it. Because what you're doing is you're taking better actions in the game, so it introduces the sideboard and quest with better actions, which actually cause corruption to happen to you and the corruption takes away points Uh, however you can kind of organize your game that you take a lot of corruption early on and then try to get rid of it later and there's mechanics to get rid of it so very similar in my opinion to loans kind of like borrow better actions early game and try to like pay them back by the end of the game when you have a lot of resources because of engine building quests or whatever, but to me that's like a transformative expansion that took the base game and actually added a new mechanic to it, which made the game way better and more interesting than the base game, which is basically get workers uh well get workers you don't really get workers in that game just place workers get resources and cash them in for points um this kind of like makes it way better the other one is actually in the same vibe champions of Midgard and Valhalla in particular again for some reason that's like the very same vibe as Lords of Waterdeep because it has two expansions and one of them is like whatever because it's just more stuff um i guess you can get like dice that are better at some action or whatever hunting or who cares uh but the other expansion there's this major mechanic of fighting in the game which is but your biggest source of victory points and in the base game if you die just bad luck you died and you suck and you lose. Uh, But this expansion actually makes dying worth something. So if you die a lot, you can actually kind of get a return on it. And sometimes the weird thing is, so you actually kind of want to die because you get actions based on dead dice. So basically it kind of like plugs this gaping hole of ridiculous luck in the base game and completely completely flips it around to like a more complete game experience where I, I would just basically those two games i kind of don't really want to play the base game like if someone's just like oh let's play a lords of War the base game or champions of midgard base game i'd be like uh kind are of you sure? probably probably <laughs> no thanks i'd rather play anything else really but if they say with expansion i'm all up for it so yeah the those kind of expansions i really like the ones that actually either like introduce something new to the game that didn't exist before uh in contrast i think a lot of expansions just had like more stuff um and sometimes the fashionable stuff lately is like uh the expansion adds like asymmetric starts or something so uh what comes to mind is stealthy or something where the base game is the game and then the expansion is kind of more of i feel the same actually there's some interesting stuff there but uh the more and more interesting thing i think is like asymmetric starts which is fine but Like, you're kind of playing the same game, um, in my opinion, so there's like a very fine line for me, I don't know how to describe it, but and I think we've actually talked about it before, but uh, there's a fine line of where the expansion just kind of feels like more of the same, and like isn't really taking the game forward um as opposed to just something like new that feels fresh and new oh actually a pretty classic example of more of the same in my opinion is underwater cities i have nothing against the expansion this it's fine but like you're kind of playing the same game if you know what i mean like there's nothing fundamentally that's different about the game and the way it plays it's just kind of oh this is kind of different stuff but it feels very similar to the base game um i don't know if you've played like underwater cities thousands of times maybe you'll disagree and you're like oh my gosh it's like fundamentally changing the meta but for me it didn't feel like earth shatteringly like i wouldn't even recognize that much if i played without the, without the expansion versus with the expansion with that game
0: yeah i I think i might tend to agree with that that i think the expansions that i end up liking less um than others are the ones that are just kind of adding more of the same sometimes it's okay um it, the the first one that comes to mind are uh the, like there's a couple of little expansion packs for Viticulture that just add more visitor cards. Um, one of the packs is literally just more, which is fine because you get some variability. But like you said, you're still just playing kind of the same game. So there's not a really big impact there. Um, and then there is another deck that I guess replaces the, um, the the deck that comes with the game. So it kind of it changes the focus from getting points out of cards to actually making you run the wine sale part of the game more um so that's that's kind of in my mind the just kind of more of the same and i'm a little less excited about those expansions but the the types of expansions that really get me excited are um well the my favorite ones are the kinds that Kind of elevate and change the game experience, or or kind of transformative, as you mentioned. Um, another category, or, or I guess before I go on the next category, the uh, the the first set of expansions that comes to mind for the transformative experience are the two expansions for Isle of Sky, uh, Journeyman and the Druids, um, because that uh, those expansions actually. change the weight category of the game i think from kind of a lighter um you know auctioning game i guess not i i cut you choose game and tile laying into a bit more of a gamers game Uh, the journeyman expansion adds what are effectively i think three tech trees um that you advance by uh moving a journeyman around on the on the kingdom you're building in isle of sky so you you typically in my experience with that expansion end up building a larger kingdom and scoring more points so and and it really changes what you do in the game uh because what you where you place your um buildings and have roads connecting things really matters for going up those uh going up those tracks, and then the Druids adds uh, an an entirely new buying phase to the game, which kind of fixes problems. You might call them problems of um, people buying all your tiles and then you not being able to get the tiles you want. Uh, The Druids phase has like a set market where you're buying tiles, so you can kind of fix that problem during the game. So those, those were the two expansions that came to mind as something that Really transforms the game and makes it into a better experience and not a bloated experience because <laughs> there, there are expansions that just kind of add way more than I think that the game can handle. <laughs> the foundation of the game was not meant to handle that kind of stuff and and uh, but I think that those expansions did it nicely. Um, another category of expenses I really like are, uh, expansions that take a portion of a game and make that portion of the game better. Uh, my favorite game or expansion in this category would be the rails to the north expansion from great Western trail where it transforms the north of the board or the top of the board from just a simple delivery track. And actually creates an extra mini game up top on the railways to, you know, places where you're going to put outposts to get different abilities and um, access to different point scoring mechanisms and, and things like that. Um, so that's kind of something I wish they'd do to the the exploration track on Maracaibo. We'll see if if that's going to happen in this uh, the first big box expansion. I'm, I don't have my hopes up for that one, by the way.
1: Yeah, they uh, keep focusing on the military track. Wrong track, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, when it's just like redirect their attention to the bottom of the board and say, "Hey, look, this part needs some love." Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then a, a third category of expansions that I tend to like if they're well done, but I'll put this one at the bottom of my list just because it's not always done well, and that's modular expansions. Um, you mentioned the Teotihuacan expansion. There's there's actually two sets of expansions that are all modular, and I think some modules are more fun than others, but I actually wanted to bring up the modular expansion to Tzolk'in because I think that the modular expansion to Tzolk'in actually... Um, does some really cool things. And I think, um, the Teotihuacan expansions were kind of based on what they did with Sulkin. So it's kind of an iteration on that. Uh, but there is the asymmetry thing, um, in, in Sulkin where each, each player now has like a different player ability. Um, but then there's also this, um, an added mechanism, a module that, uh, technically i think is supposed to allow for a fifth player but i don't know if i'd want to play solken with five people um but it's a quick action mechanism where there's a set of kind of circular-ish tiles placed on the central wheel so you can see them as they're they're coming and each time the board rotates twice i think um, a new uh, quick action tile comes out onto the main board by where the first player action would be um, and you can take a quick action to get quick resources or quick whatever is shown on that tile. Um, and that can be really helpful if you're getting blocked out of spaces that you want to use on those wheels. So I think in, especially in higher player counts, uh, three and four and definitely five, uh, that type of mechanism is, is nice. So I like, I like expansions that kind of help address um pro- aspects of the games that may kind of feel worse like getting blocked out of the wheel spots on token is really bad because if you can't get your workers to the top of those wheels and and do good stuff then you're just gonna you're gonna have a pretty bad time with the game um and then i think uh, the other module that's in that expansion is they add kind of um Prophecies or event type things to the game, so I like I like it when, in a euro game, there are things to work towards or things to deal with um, that uh, kind of vary the gameplay. Um, and they did a similar thing in Teotihuacan with the seasons tiles that kind of say, "Hey, at the end of this age or round or whatever, this thing is going to happen, so get ready for it." Um, so I, I kind of like I like expansions that. Uh, shake up the gameplay, um, and and kind of give you incentives to do things that maybe you hadn't planned on doing.
1: Yeah, actually, speaking of transformative expansions, I agree with Isle of Sky that makes the game completely different. Actually, I went back and played the base game after we played with the expansion, and uh, the base game was just very vanilla and plain. Uh, the expansion introduces like two really large mini games. And yeah, just makes like increases the weight significantly of Isle of Sky, kind of makes it into a completely different game. So I agree, I actually need to play the Tolkien expansion still, I haven't played it, which is kind of amazing, uh, but probably because it's not on board game arena and, well, I used to play Tolkien there, but not so much anymore. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, I, kind of agree yeah but modular expansions could be good or bad the good thing about modular expansions is uh at least you have the official license to turn off the parts that you're not super crazy about yeah (laughs) so if you don't like the expansion completely you can just throw away modules that you don't like actually speaking of which uh, luxor has a very divisive uh, expansion where it kind of increases the take that and randomness. And I think it's kind of funny, but uh, the games we've played have been really trolley. There's like a, basically, the game's already kind of random enough with the cards and everything, and just kind of the cards you pull out of out of the deck. But there's a module where the thing, the mummy walks towards you and like pushes you back and it can really like mess you up um then it's based on the die roll it's like a d6 die roll so it's just <laughs> oh, kind of gosh. uh it's it's kind of hilarious yeah but anyway so um, speaking of
0: divisive we- module oh go ahead sorry
1: yeah, I was going to say we played it twice, and uh, I'm not sure if the owner <laughs> wanted to play with that module ever again. <laughs> did you, did you see it on the it so used much. game market? <laughs> but, no, no, because the rest of the expansion, I think, is good, and that's only one of, like, four modules. The other ones are actually pretty cool, uh, but this one, very questionable. I don't know. I actually I actually don't mind it. I think it's kind of interesting to try to plan around it, but it is, it, if you're really unlucky, it can really kind of ruin your day, and it tends to happen to one person at least in the game. So, I don't know. It's, it's fine I guess.
0: Yeah, that's the tricky part of the balance of luck in a game is that if, if it is at crucial junctions and the luck can really swing the bad way, then it starts to feel a lot less fun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of modules that could be potentially controversial, um, we kick this off by mentioning the Uh, grand austria hotel expansion which is modular one of the modules allows you to play with an alternative um, turn order selection mechanism Um, basically what it is is it uh, grand austria hotel the base game has like a snake pattern of dice drafting where first player would pick and then you go down to the last player who picks twice and then it snakes back to first player to pick the expansion adds a an action space to the central board where you can take first player for the next round and uh, drafting just happens in player order for the whole round instead of snaking back around. Um, I, we played only one game with all of the modules in and it was three player and not a single time did anybody take the first player action what did what did you think of that module
1: yeah i was thinking about it i don't know if we like didn't appreciate it or something the only time i was thinking about it is the game is five rounds and basically you started this first player and then you ended as first player is it four rounds then gosh no it's actually seven rounds then One,
0: two, three, four, five, six, four. it's more than four
1: it's seven i think actually it's seven yeah so to me actually i kind of dislike that module I'm a really big fan of snake drafting in general I think it's like the best drafting method because what the first player type drafting does is usually it increases luck and basically if you're first player you're really hoping that there's like five of the same number or something because that's what you're hoping for because if there's two of two of everything and like the role is really even you kind of don't really get a benefit of first player because the last player uh can just kind of get the same thing because you pick something and someone else picks something and someone else picks something you might not get the exact action you want but like you get the same power of action you know what I mean um and basically if you take first player i think you're hoping that the role is really unbalanced the next round which i think is kind of bs in my opinion Um, or something like really broken reveals and you take it as first player or whatever you know it kind of like reminds me of putting more importance on first player and also being first twice in the round meaning like the last player has a worse situation and the first player has a better situation so basically that's that's my concern with that is that's also why i prefer snake drafting quite a bit more in general in games like i feel like if there's drafting involved it should always be snake i think that's like the best uh method in pretty much any game unless there's some weird mechanic of like i don't know turn order stuff and it's built into something maybe victory points i don't know but like take first players and action to try to get a better action in my opinion not not great uh so anyway i don't know if we like didn't appreciate how cool it was or something like i said the only time i was thinking about uh doing it was actually in round seven because you were about to be i was about to be last in the last round of the game so that's like the only time when i considered doing it but i still didn't do it so i don't know it's it's fine whatever uh but in my opinion that's like one of the modules which is maybe like the weaker in just like i say in my opinion of of the uh, Grand Austrian Hotel expansions.
0: Yeah, I and that's the funny thing about it is I don't. So I I think that the expansion was kind of that module was driven by popular demand, but the to my knowledge, the demand for the change in turn order was not because of the like a a desire for a superior drafting method. I thought that it was people were just complaining that it took way too long to get back to your turn if you were first player. Um,
1: Well, yeah, first pick, so hopefully your first pick is really good.
0: (laughs) So yeah, and I don't know, I I I don't, you know, I'd played this with the other turn order before and didn't think that it was bad. And you know maybe. No, I, think I definitely
1: I'd- don't think it's bad. I think it's just better. Because yeah, you yeah. obviously take last die, or what it last you take a die last, but you also take a die first. So arguably it should be again like it's it actually is worse if it's balanced. So you're like I say, you're if you're first, I think you're always kinda hoping for an unbalanced role in uh Grand Austria yeah. Hotel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't know that that's a module that I'll always want to play with. Maybe at four players it matters more or maybe like you said we just didn't appreciate it, but that's a that's an example of a module that I could probably live without because I I just don't know that the the push for why it exists was based in design more than just like people wanting other players to take shorter turns, in which case that's not a design problem, that's a player problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, Also, I kind of have a pet peeve around, like, taking first action as an action in a game. Like, in general, I think, I kind of don't generally like games that make you do that or that you have to do that in. Um, There are some exceptions, I guess, but in general, I wish, no one ever did take first player as an action. I wish it was always dependent on either some kind of track like first player is the last player and like victory points or resources or something or it's like built into something else as part of the game, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I I I hate games where like one of the actions is take first player and the game is very like dependent on that. Uh, just kind of, just always kind of annoys me. So that's just like a pet peeve of mine. So that that's probably why I especially didn't like that expansion. I feel like rotating and snaking is just fine in Grand Austria or something.
0: Yeah. And and thinking back on uh, our discussion of smartphone Inc. earlier, um, I think that they did the the turn order just fine in that one it was based on basically it's where you are in the points and then it kind of had a secondary turn order that mod you know shifted during the round depending on where you're pricing your phones and stuff uh,
1: actually it's the opposite which i think is more of a problem. i wish it was that way but uh, actually prices is first and points is second i believe well but
0: uh your turn order on the price track is set first at the start of the round by your position on the point track
1: yeah yeah but i mean like if you have a lower price you'll go first that's what i mean i wish but if, if you had tied
0: lower, i wish tied, it was actually it the opposite back to the
1: points yeah 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 if you're tied on price i actually wish it was the opposite i wish if you're lower on points you always go first however if you're tied on points, I guess, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> then you base it on price. Uh, that will never happen, though, so basically it will be always the first person with the fewer points goes first, but that's the way it is in actually Power Grid or something, and it does induce some weird like strategies of like trying to be just one point behind someone else, and like specifically slowing down your game and taking bad action so that you're first, the last round of the game, so it's, it, it is prone to some other weirdness there, but Um, it is an interesting uh, thing in games in general. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. What do you think about the Lorenzo expansion, actually? Because actually uh, I'm very divided in my mind on that. Uh, It's an expansion which basically introduces a fifth player, introduces a sideboard of a fifth tower, I don't know if, well, the game is about like kind of cards and going on these towers and stuff. And it actually introduces these uh, random tokens of pulling out of a bag and getting random resources in in a lot of cases by going to that fifth tower. Uh, what I actually want to say about it is, uh, spoilers, is I, uh, i think it's interesting that they added something to the game but i actually feel like the base game was like really kind of perfect in some ways and the expansion feels kind of tacked on and it introduces some really weird stuff into the game which previously was very you know kind of like felt complete now there's these weird cards and the weird bag with like sort of a push your luck element almost not really but Kind of sometimes it turns out to be that way, so you're like hoping to pull something out of a bag, uh, just kind of weird. I don't know. Did you actually have you played it before? Yeah,
0: I've played the Lorenzo expansion twice, I think. Um, and both times I played it, it's it's good, um, but like you said, some elements of it feel kind of tacked on, and certainly the production of it just felt rushed and. I don't know, just disjointed because like the way all the materials are presented doesn't make sense. The I don't think the names of the family cards are alphabetical <laughs> in the in the
1: rules. Uh, yeah, the rule book there's like errors, printing errors. From that perspective, yeah. yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, so there's just some weird stuff. I don't mind playing with it, and may, maybe I haven't played the base game enough without the expansion to appreciate the base design is perfect as you say um that being said i have played without the expansion and i didn't miss playing with the expansion so maybe that's an
1: indicator yeah, no, that's exactly how I feel about it. Is like I went and played the base game a couple of times after the expansion, and that was just like this is just fine. Like you don't really need this expansion. Like it's it's a thing, but I don't know. I, I feel very divided about that one in particular. I feel like uh, this is just a kind of unnecessary um, in a lot of ways. So just yeah, just that's weird. an
0: interesting question um, because some of the some of the expansions that that I mentioned. Um, you know the Tolkien expansion, the Great Western Trail expansion. I am totally happy playing the games without those expansions. Um, probably not as much Isle of Sky. I think I prefer to play that one with expansions of the ones I mentioned. But yeah, I don't know. So it's it's not a prerequisite for me that to like an expansion that I like feel that I have to play that game with the expansion every time. But like you said, it is kind of telling um, when you're kind of ambivalent toward or you know i guess apathetic like you just don't care <laughs> or maybe you prefer it without the expansion
1: yeah i don't know yeah there are some some like that that i could just find fine playing the games without them but whatever yeah um <laughs> uh that was gonna say there's another topic that you wanted to get into like uh deluxified versions or in big boxes or whatever i feel like those are basically like cosmetic expansions in a lot of cases yeah and unfortunately i'm very cynical about them and i really don't like them is basically how i feel about them uh the actually one ridiculous thing well the first ridiculous thing was like uh the reprinting of games and including like a really tiny expansion in the reprint that you kind of want to get actually speaking of which we're just talking about uh, rails to the north uh, expansion of gosh what is it the great western trail Uh, there is a reprint coming of great western trail which is basically the exact same game like it's exactly the same they did some graphic design changes but i mean it's it's like (laughs) <laughs> did it really need an update after like four years or five years I don't think so but there is like a small expansion I guess of like these cows that upgrade themselves or whatever so because of that it's just gonna keep taunting you in your mind of like you should have got the expansion man you should have got the expansion if you wanted <laughs> oh, no. If you wanted those special cows you'll never have those special cows if you have the old edition but everything else is the same so it's just like a, basically yeah. a cash grab on people who like uh, Great Western Trail a lot what, in my opinion
0: me watch me eat my words but i think i'm not going to get the second edition i will but you'll never have the cows stop talking to me about the cows (laughs) 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 no i will definitely get the other versions i think where they're going to argentina and somewhere else um but new zealand actually yeah new New zealand Zealand. (laughs)
1: because someone was like i'll definitely get new zealand they probably like new zealand or something yeah or maybe but they're I'm, from new zealand sorry anyway
0: yeah I, I i don't know that the self-upgrading robotic cows is
1: enough to get
0: me to buy an <laughs> entirely new copy of the game
1: they're kind of like the gene modifying sheep and how they <laughs> upgrade themselves and live longer and <laughs> eventually become immortal yeah can immortal you plant, sheep? Can you you plant them first. in a field uh not quite but yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind of like bricks anyway. yeah uh no actually there are uh, unfortunately more and more examples it used to be kind of like less common to do like second edition or something unless it really needed it like there are some games which definitely needed a second edition uh, actually like 51st state is one of the games that uh actually a lot of people like the first edition but there were like some substantial changes and i'm totally fine with that and like a really significant graphic redesign uh but the one ridiculous thing that I saw recently is they used to do these big boxes. I think Queen Games is that's like their thing, right? I think it's Queen yeah, Games. Yeah, they do big boxes. Uh, and uh you might think that once they do a big box they're basically done with the game and that's basically like um it wasn't a problem problem previously because they didn't do that thing where it's like an exclusive expansion in the big box it just was like a combination of if you had all the expansions it's the same thing but just in one box well there's the mega box now. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So they started doing, so like they have issued a fresco big box and recently they've been doing a fresco mega box because apparently... Other modules came out after the big box, so now they have like a bigger big box which oh, includes the my other gosh. modules. That they came. Don't so, make
0: a big box before you're done with the game. <laughs> yeah,
1: so basically, like I don't know, I'm not sure if like in five years there's gonna be like giga boxes and then like tera boxes and like and, like the ultimate box and there's just like the game just keeps growing and growing. Like I don't know, it just it kind of is getting a little bit ridiculous in my opinion. So apparently. Soon they'll do.
0: Just- start selling apartments in the cities where these games are named after (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. or something or like uh basically anyway yeah just like a huge box of the the crates of fresco or something uh but anyway no it's, it's getting it's getting kind of sad as far as like i think a lot of people are reprinting games with just graphical updates and a tiny expansion just to get more sales and kind of revitalize the game because everyone's after the very new stuff that's out there. And that's becoming more and more common in my opinion lately.
0: Yeah. I'm finding that my view towards like deluxified games are I'm cool with it. If it's a game that I really like and and want to get, and I maybe don't already have like a previous version of it. Um, but. I don't I don't get why there's like some of these first-time games or first-time designers maybe first-time publisher that is doing these enormous deluxified things for games that like could absolutely suck you know <laughs> um, and so you're spending a hundred and fifty dollars for a game that might just end up in the garbage can uh, well
1: that's mostly just Kickstarter I think. yeah
0: I mean that's that is Kickstarter stuff but I mean so for me you know uh, of a tall assorted game, I'm okay with the deluxified aspect of that. I wish that they weren't so expensive, but that, that's the only way they're available. Um, I kind of have mixed feelings, although I do have a copy now of Rococo Deluxe because it's like a $40 game in a hundred plus dollar box uh the deluxe version anyway. Uh but it's it's a really good game and so I just wanted to have it. And I think the old version is kind of just super out of print and not available. Um but yeah I definitely uh would not want to give the deluxe treatment to every game because that would make this hobby uh, a lot more expensive than it than it already is. <laughs> yeah
1: um some of the stuff that i see like actually um i have the old version of whatever rococo and i had like zero problem with it and i don't feel the need to upgrade to the new one i don't think the art is actually that much better i like the old art just fine i was gonna say the deluxified thing was a tmg uh thing, uh, TMG, what is TMG? Tasty Minstrel Games. We saw how for. that worked out for him. <laughs> uh, actually, I was going to say about that some games that they issued so I actually would kind of not really buy, not deluxified. Actually, all or leon comes to mind because the way, the what's deluxified in it is the tokens that you draw out of the bag and I think the difference is large enough to where it's kind of really annoying to not have the deluxified components So, like, if my approach to those kind of games is like, if I don't get the deluxe fight, I get nothing. (laughs) unless i really like the game i guess and then i I really try to find the deluxified but something like crusaders like there's a dual layer board i think is the difference and like i'm just like whatever like who cares about the dual layer board i think the game is fine without the freaking dual layer board so i can totally skip that but there are like some annoying things about deluxified components that i kind of feel like you're just missing out on too much if you don't get the deluxified version and that's just yeah. unfortunate because they go out of print and people try to scalp for them and it's just sad so yeah.
0: That is true I think some deluxified comp- elements of games are kind of contribute to the actual gameplay and in that case I'm totally cool with it. I think actually Capstone is, pr- is publishing early on
1: now so. Oh they're like redoing it maybe hopefully they're going to do the plastic tokens or whatever the wooden tokens is what the deluxified is. So instead of wooden tokens, you get paper tokens, which are thin. So imagine, like, basically the geek up bits of uh, whatever it's called, that explosion game, not Witch's Brew. Something, you're brewing a potion and it explodes in your face. Push potion for luck. explosion? No. Wait, what? Which one? It's like Kubitos, but not Kubitos. It's a pusher oh, lock game. Quacks. Quacks of Quedlinburg, yeah. Uh, basically, actually, I think quacks suffers from the same thing the base game is fine but you definitely kind of want the geek cup bits which is the plastic bits that you draw out of the bag because that's what you're constantly doing and actually they wear out if you have the paper ones we played uh someone's game like five or six times and they started like literally wearing out because of the shuffling around the bag and just touching of the tiles. So I feel like they should have, uh, maybe they're gonna do that with Orleon. Like if they don't print the wooden tokens, someone else will, and you'll have to just buy them separately. Maybe that's the way it's gonna have to be. (laughs) I think
0: uh, BGG has the geek up bits. So there's always those, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess they started filling the gap between like deluxified and not deluxified, because I think sometimes it does make a difference.
0: Geekified.
1: Yeah. Kind of expensive though to deluxe fire stuff, but if oh, yeah. you play the game a lot, it's probably worth it.
0: Yeah, there's certain things that are worth it. And then certain things that are not. <laughs> Definitely not.
1: Yeah. Well, anyway.
0: Alright, well I think that's our topic for the day. Uh did you want to bring up a couple games on your horizon?
1: No, just kidding. Uh, there are good game nights coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've been through some dark times with like five tribes previously i go to this game night on wednesdays and nanti narking i don't think i liked that game too much <laughs>
0: okay that's uh, the martin wallace one right
1: yeah but it's like a remake of this It's basically like a weird random take that game i don't know people like it for some reason maybe because of the theme but if you look at the game itself it's just kind of a disaster but there are good games coming up in the future um, basically as far as new games on the horizon, haven't really kept up too much on anything really new coming up. Uh, the Kickstarter stuff actually has slowed down for me quite a bit recently. I don't, I don't really see any super compelling games on there. There is like a hotness on BGG, but there's not enough information. You'll probably talk about it anyway. Um, but I guess i should say actually the other weird thing is i received my copy of tsukuyumi uh, which i don't know if you know what that is that's an area control game which is actually not that huge but um it looks very large so it's gonna take me some time to work up the enthusiasm to uh get it played but um, then i'm sure like people who like area controls will have to be involved But uh, that's a really interesting game. The interesting thing about it is uh, I think a lot of your actions, what kind of attracted me to it as well, first of all, your units have like health, and the health is kind of printed like on them, so they have health points that are like kind of... Uh, they kind of have like a health bar in in some way. The other thing that I think is kind of interesting is uh, you play one card, and the card is like a mixture of actions. And there's cards which are like better for attacking. There's cards which are better for like resource production or something. If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've looked at the game, but uh, you kind of make a decision of whether to push resources or attacking at the same time. And there was an interesting kind of system around that. Is like everyone just plays one card and a bunch of things happen and there's very asymmetric factions obviously which kind of attracted me to the game i think there's these like whales or something it's kind of like a weird like half anime half realistic theme and obviously super realistic the moon actually fell down that's why it's called tsukumi full moon down so the moon has like these fancy creatures on it or something and they're now attacking the earth (laughs) so very realistic but anyway yeah um it's gonna take me a while to get the enthusiasm to actually play it but i'm expecting good things out of it so hopefully it's not gonna disappoint with the changes that they made i'm a little bit scared actually but we'll see um hopefully if i hate it uh yeah we'll see (laughs) i'll unload it to someone for a loss sadly i was gonna say there are some old games coming up on the wednesday game nights other than that i'm looking forward to oddly enough in a couple of weeks actually next week is gaia project so i'm gonna get to play it again which is awesome uh, Spirit Islands is coming up, which I'm super excited about because that's uh, my opportunity, I guess, that's to play a good those games. Yeah, it, it is a good game. Uh, those games that, for some reason, like I don't know, again, another game where. If it's not an organized game night like this, we probably wouldn't get the enthusiasm to play it, but there's a game night coming up with specifically the game designated for it, so I'm super excited about it. Um, also, Underwater Cities and Terra Mystica, so those are like, it's gonna be some pretty awesome game nights of Guy Project Terra Mystica again, which I really like, and I have wanted to replay Underwater Cities, which should be pretty fun. Um, it's yeah, been I a picked long up a time. copy of
0: that, so I need to play that as well.
1: Yeah yeah it's been a long time since i played it i still don't know how i feel about that game every time i play it i'm like do i actually like this or do i not like this <laughs> is this even and fun? i just yeah that that's actually true yeah then i just i can never decide whether i like it or not because it's a really strange game where i feel like a lot of a lot of it is the game playing you but you are also making some minor decisions, and like which kind of escalate towards some major decisions. And I don't know, it you'll see what it is, but it's always kind of like, is this game actually good? And I can never decide if I like it or not. So it's really, really strange for me. It's um, a mark of
0: a good game, it keeps you undecided. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like i don't know maybe it will just eventually go out of print like it usually does with me and i'll I'll be like oh crap i actually didn't buy it (laughs) well it's super unavailable right now oh yeah but i don't think it's like out of print i think people they have plans to print it in the future whereas some games are like just gone forever uh, yeah i don't think
0: this one's quite off the printing mark
1: uh circuit yeah yeah. i think it's just popular in its bots which actually i'm surprised it's even popular because it's kind of a heavier game and it goes on for a while and it's very like methodical it actually feels somewhat like praga so maybe you're gonna like it but it also has the bs top decking slot machine that i like so it's like a combination between praga and a slot machine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kind of kind of situation a so slot machine <laughs> Yep. <laughs> meaning like a lot of top decking and cars that combo with each other and basically kind of a lot of yeah things that combo tastic combo tastic action yeah but it's kind of a slower moving game uh it's not as maybe like for me to really love it i wish it was slightly faster moving it just kind of feels very slow and methodical but yeah i'll see how i feel about it in a couple of weeks when i get to play it so yeah i'll let you know (laughs) well we might play it uh or maybe even before that and then i'll replay it in a couple of weeks i guess
0: either way you'll probably replay it because i won't be there on wednesdays and We'll play it some other time. Yeah. Uh, the things I wanted to bring up on my horizon, two of them are so
1: new you wouldn't even believe it. Uh, are they games that are not on BGG again? Because I think you've done that before. <laughs> as you've <laughs> no, you've received reason, like yeah. emails about games from publishers that weren't on BGG. I think it was Stonefire or something. I can't remember what the it, last time was. It
0: was uh, Lords of Ragnarok.
1: Yeah, so um, like, yeah, you can go on BG and register yeah, I'm, again. I'm
0: super famous. I I knew about that game before Awakened Realms did. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so the first game I'm looking forward to, of course, is the uh, upcoming Vital Lacerda game, Weather Machine. There's not, as you said, there's not a whole lot of information available about it yet, but I do know a little. Um, it's a kind the of weather
1: machine. Do You have a oh, castle.
0: How how, how did you know about that? Weird. Uh, yeah, so it is about a weather machine, but it's it's kind of like a steampunky, but from what I can gather, not like goofy steampunk uh, theme of you've got this machine that can affect the climate of the world, and it's going to be a mixture of tile placement, worker placement. There's an action point economy and some set collection aspects of the game but what i think is going to be kind of fun to play with is that supposedly um you know the the weather effects that you cause in one region ripple into other regions so i think there there's going to be kind of a lot of interplay and interlocking mechanisms which is really typical of uh, of a lacerda game um but He did it really kind of, in my opinion, seamlessly and and really smoothly in On Mars. And so I'm just kind of excited to see how his design, tastes, and techniques have uh, evolved into this game. Um, There's not a whole lot of information on the intricacies of how everything works. Uh, But of course, this is an Eagle Griffin uh, production, so it's going to have chunky wood bits with screen printing and... Good components, thick cardboard and all, all that stuff that just gets Eurogamer's gears going. Um, so I'm looking forward to playing <laughs> with it. Uh, yeah, I see, see what it did there. Uh, yeah, I think this one hits Kickstarter in a month or two. Um, so there'll be more information later. Uh, the other Kickstarter project that I'm looking forward to that just ended um, is a new expansion for Excavation Earth. Um what David Turtsy, the designer, calls the first proper expansion for the game because uh, he described the first expansion, second wave, which was just kind of like a a collection of (laughs) Kickstarter extras or something like that. So he didn't call it a proper expansion. Yeah, I was
1: going (laughs) to say, I thought you were going to say uh, he described it as a cash grab. Oh, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. because that's kind of what it felt like. Well, it's it, like it, really it was, was released exactly the same. At the same time as the Kickstarter, and I think it just uh like is a very minor, just more stuff or something, yeah, and like exactly. exclusive objects or whatever. So it like didn't really change the game. It's basically like give me ten more dollars for this extra little box or something or twenty or yeah, whatever.
0: Exactly. So like I'll probably get that one too, just because it's part of this Kickstarter. And you can get it on a discount but uh yeah that expansion was kind of just a more hey cool thanks for supporting our first kickstarter on this game and here's a bunch of extra stuff that i I watched an interview with david turtsey um and he's like yeah i mean the stuff in that game you can choose it if you want to play with it but it doesn't it's not really like earth shattering or changing the game but this next one adds in some new stuff um it's a little bit i think it's modular the main module is adding um a shared museum board where you can uh you can take your rather than selling your uh human artifacts to um you know your buyers on the private market the alien market uh, you can take your stuff and sell it to museums which has more games of you know selling to the right museum patron, I guess, or curator to get scoring bonuses, instant effects or end game, uh, things. There's also a module that adds reverse engineering cards that seem like they add, uh, sort of in game, uh, powers, maybe one time, maybe ongoing The the ones that are on the Kickstarter page, I think seem to be like a one-time benefit, um, Actually, there is one that looks potentially like it's sort of engine building. Um, Anyway, so it's uh, adding, it doesn't seem like an enormous expansion, but it just seems like it's adding another option to the game, which could be good for this one because this game kind of does have a flow, you know, where you go out onto the earth, you excavate the uh types of artifacts that you want to then go sell them to a particular type of buyer so it does kind of have a flow and this i guess present this expansion will present just another option um Mm. for for that and i think you haven't played this game yet right
1: Mm, no
0: okay well we'll maybe get you i have a copy so we can do that for you soon but
1: Yeah, I actually saw the expansion and I was curious if you're gonna be interested in it, and it sounded like you are, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm interested in it. Um, I actually quite liked the, we haven't talked about this game yet, um, because you haven't had a chance to play it yet. I think probably we'll do that soon, but uh, yeah, I really like this game. Um, So we'll talk about it in the future when you've been able to play it. But yes, I think that this expansion is going to be pretty cool uh the other game that i'm looking forward to playing uh is not a new game it is a game that's been out f- so long that it has i think three editions and a deluxe <laughs> version uh,
1: Dominion. just kidding <laughs> yes actually it is dominion
0: <laughs> no um it's yedo uh so oh, yeah. yedo is a worker placement contract fulfillment um I guess, trading game. It has a trading element in it. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's one of those games that's kind of on a pedestal as uh, as a really good worker placement trading game. And I haven't tried it yet, but I've picked up a copy on the cheap from the game swap room at SaltCon. So I'm looking forward to playing it
1: uh, sometime soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at this game previously, um, and I am interested in playing it. I think there was a recent Kickstarter or something. Did you get the recent Kickstarter edition? Is that the edition you got, or like the old no, one? No, I
0: got the... Um, let's see, There's. I'm checking out the versions from... There's yeah. a... F- there's basically the the
1: original game there's probably a second edition i think there's a kickstarter like last year or something like that or two years ago or something i remember looking at the kickstarter and i really looked at it but ultimately i decided against it but i'm fine playing it i'm kind of curious what it is it looked kind of dry and uh kind of long actually is what i've heard maybe yeah it can be long. yeah that's that i'm not sure hopefully it's actually a good game i've heard the name quite a bit so i'm kind of curious what it is
0: yeah so there are three editions of the game i think my edition is the second edition and yeah, I, yeah so I, before I looked, the
1: kickstarter the last yeah, year or whatever
0: and that the kickstarter edition is actually completely different <laughs> uh so board and dice did that um and they did it all out you know, bells and whistles game of Yedo. But so I have the second edition, I think, and I looked up the differences. I think the second to third edition was just a couple of like cleanup things in the rules and nothing really drastic. But I picked it up really cheap at SaltCon, so
1: interesting also really strange the old edition as i saw it says 120 to 180 minutes so yeah kind of on the long side the new edition they have it listed at 60 to 90 i don't know if they're like being optimistic and trying to like draw people in and lie to people or did they, they maybe, change the game i, don't, I know. don't
0: know actually maybe they did because uh Cause yeah that, it's it's kind they, of a longer game
1: yeah they had to have changed the game a lot to shave off like one and a half hours basically it's like half the time as the previous game supposedly so i'm kind of curious i didn't really pay attention in a lot of detail what they changed but yeah that's weird or maybe it's yeah. just wrong maybe they're just like well <laughs> 60 to 90 but like yeah. realistically you get it and it's like two hours and yeah anyway it's
0: one of those boxes where you just look at them and like i know you're lying to me <laughs> yep because <laughs> yeah, well, my think- my edition is uh 120 to 180 minutes so buckle in
1: Yeah. I was going to say when it came out like 20, I think something, the original edition I think is even before 2010. I can't remember what year it is. Uh, apparently it's actually 2012, just kidding. I think it was more acceptable to have like slightly longer games. Now the trend is like really fast games and like under two hours for sure. Uh, lately I'm fine with playing kind of a longer game though. So not really a problem for me.
0: This one does seem like it would be long to, I've read the rules and, you know it, it's got worker placement mixed in with set collection things and then there's an auction and bidding round where you're bidding on a variety of different card types and then you there i think there's like a trading component yeah. Uh, so yeah there's, kind of there's, a there's just like, phases, like a, exactly guess. there's a lot of things that happen and then there's this um mechanism in the middle of the board where there's like i think this guard that's kind of patrolling the different areas of the city because that's where the yeah i vaguely
1: remember actually looking at it and he either like uh gives you a drawback or something or yeah or it locks down down certain
0: sections of the city so you're trying to affect where that is so that it locks other players and you can do your actions and they're trying to do the same thing so i think there's just a lot of a lot of moving pieces in in this game so i think That's uh, c- very conducive to a long playtime.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I'm interested in this one for sure. Actually, Eggerge PLA is really good publisher. And yeah, yep, should yep. be fun.
0: All right, well, that's all that's on my horizon for this week.
1: Yep, sounds good.
0: Okay, well, we'll call that an episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Cards and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events, and Steady Diet of Music, a bi-weekly fix of opinions by musicians. You can get a hold of Cards and Cubes via email. Cards and Cubes podcast at gmail.com or visit our website www.cardsandcubes.com we'd like to thank kirsten adams for designing our logo find more of kirsten's art on instagram at cat coffee that's k-a-t-c-o-f-f-e-e we'd also like to thank lindsey hobbs for composing the theme and thank all of you for listening and we will return in a couple of weeks